Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Wheat Among the Tares. It's a blessing to have you here this morning and trust that the program this morning is going to be a help and a blessing to you. We're certainly thankful for the opportunity to bring this to you every Wednesday morning, 9 o'clock Eastern Time here on Gethsemane Global Radio. We are back with round three of our history lesson and brother carl baker welcome to the program this morning delighted to be here brother amen it is good to have you we have uh, enjoyed uh discussing things before and then even after the program and uh we have already had a history lesson in in the studio already here this morning um, I have found this man that once you ask him a question, it is gonna it is gonna garner an answer for sure, <laughs> and it is certainly a blessing to have you with us this morning. Um, I had a couple of stories that I'm going to forego until next week, God willing, uh, because I wanted to get into the history of things. We have had a lot of good response from these programs uh, that we have done in church history, and and uh, Brother Baker, first thing I want to comment on. Uh, is something that we've been kind of carrying as a theme through these first two broadcasts, and now this is number three. But, uh, brother, it is this, that that simply most Christians today uh, do not know their history when it comes to the church and things that have come up from the days of our Lord Jesus Christ until the present hour. You made a comment um, before we went on the air, and I want to utilize this sort of as a springboard. But you said, if if people do not know their heritage, um, and if they're not grounded in the Christian heritage specifically, then they're flexible to go with anything if they're not aware of their history. Comment on that, first of all. When you read the book of Judges, the Lord said, it, it says in the scriptures that the Lord raised up saviors for Israel when they would come, go into apostasy. And if you read the book of Judges, you'll find a cycle that takes place in history with the children of Israel mm-hmm. who communicated with angels, who communi- communicated uh, with uh, the prophets who were directly associated with God. Well, who could have had more influence over a people than the literal communications that were coming from heaven through the prophets, through the angels, and such as that? When you read the book of Judges, you find out this right here, that when a, when a judge would bring Israel back in, into a revival uh, session of, of, of history, uh, what would happen is as soon as, the, as, as soon as the masses forgot after a period of time— mm-hmm. uh, after sometimes short periods of time, like 20, 40 years. Correct. Brother Blake. Yes. Uh, that when the people forgot the struggles that they were going under and the oppression they lived under and, and, and then understood what it took and the combat it took to bring back, bring them out of that oppression and they forgot it. They would go right back under the same things again, go back into the old idolatry and such. That's what's happening to America today. And that's what's happened to the Christian church. If you read Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3, you see a progressive degeneration of Christendom from the church of Ephesus to the church of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And when you find, when you find that degeneration uh, in the church and history, 
to back it up. Our problem today in Christianity, the reason there's not a greater struggle and an opposition against the liberalism that's overtaken us today is because we have forgotten the struggles it took to get us to this day. Amen. And, and that, goes, that goes for the Baptist heritage. It goes uh, for the things that you and I were discussing for the program and everything about the heritage of where we came from, where our Bible came from. Uh, people, they don't know how to appreciate their Bible. Do they begin to understand what it took to give them the Bible and the cost associated Absolutely. with getting it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and that and, and that is the the wonderful thing about history, uh, especially when people take the time in their lives to get to understand. You know, uh, and I think of even in in the lives of families. Families go back, and they know their genealogy, and they know their history, mm -hmm. and they know many of the stories of their forefathers and things that they went through in order that uh, we might be where we are today. But we remember the costs. Yes. And, and oftentimes when people don't know the cost, as you reiterated, uh, we miss the point. And we are so then gullible and, as you said earlier, flexible to accept anything because, we, again, we don't realize what it costs in order for us to have even the freedoms here in America, uh, the liberties we have in having a Bible. All of these things that we enjoy as benefits all came at a cost. Yes. And if we don't appreciate the cost, then those things will fall by the wayside. And unfortunately, that's what we're seeing today. And Brother Carl, that's what we're here to do this morning is to reflect and refresh people and try to provoke them to good works yes. that they may go back and look at the history of, of Christendom and specifically of the heritage of those that gave us our King James Bible. You know, Brother Blake, people have lost even the memory of the names. Do you realize that this day, I just heard a, uh, uh, a professor from a uh, 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 renowned college in, in California, Berkeley, and he was an uh, atheist who says he was raised as a Christian, but when he got old enough, he turned away from it and such as that. Do you realize this right here, that he even questioned whether or not Jesus Christ was really someone who lived in, on the service because he says because there's no there is no history no secular history of the existence of jesus christ and there were students sitting there in in that uh in that auditorium and everything else i was thinking man what in the world have we come to that the greatest single individual who could have ever visited this planet in the flesh mm -hmm. god mm -hmm. manifest in flesh born of a virgin mm -hmm. Uh, you know, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angel, preached unto the Gentile, received up uh, into the uh, into heaven. Mm -hmm. You know, the resurrection, all those great things that were associated with Jesus Christ to manifest that he was the son of God visiting the earth mm -hmm. was 2,000 years ago. And yet now, within 2,000 years, you they, have, they don't even know if he even existed in the colleges, uh, uh, the renowned colleges of, of, of our country. Well, and yet, it was Judeo-Christianity Judeo that helped formulate 
our nation exactly. in 1776 with the Constitution. That's exactly Unbelievable. Right. Yes, it is. But uh, men professing themselves to be yeah, wise, wise, they became fools. fools. That's, That's right, exactly brother. what it is. Yes, they did. Brother, we wanted to, uh, we had been talking um, in the previous two sessions, we had been kind of working our way up through uh, time periods. And we had gotten, um, a, as you had mentioned, uh, that the, the Bible, the text for the Bible had been moving westward from out of Jerusalem originally and moving westward. And, uh, and that certainly proves out because you can see the movement as you study through your history. We have gotten to the times of, and I know you wanted to mention the Waldensians, Yes. Uh, because they are, were such, they, they, the Albigensians and the Huguenots, were all a people who suffered greatly at the hands of Rome yes. because of the persecution, and that God was moving that Bible uh, to the West. Um, I know you really had a zeal to talk about the Waldensians, so give us just a brief history of the <clears throat> Waldensians, and then we'll try to move on from there. When the Bible, or let's just say this, when in Antioch is where the disciples were first called Christians, mm -hmm. well, naturally, according to what history gives us a record of, the Bible would have been uh, translated, first of all, into Italian and Syrian. Well, from Antioch came the Syrian Bible, which we call the Peshitta, mm -hmm. around 150 A.D., uh, after... By 100 A.D., the, whole, the New Testament is all completed by then, and, and the canon of scriptures are, are the 27 books of the Bible that we, we have in our, our King James Bible today. Um, Euphilus goes to the Gauls, uh, and, and he translates the, the Bible in the Gallic language, and only, only part of the Bible that he didn't translate was First and Second Samuel because they were such a warlike people. He didn't want them, them to be involved in, in the things of history there that would more or less kind of incite that, that type of that spirit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, yeah. that spirit of conflict. But anyway, from, uh, from there, the Bible moved westward. And as it moved westward, the place of, the, of, of great um, need to understand is when it got to northern France, into the Valdos, uh, amongst the Valdos and the Wald, which were the Waldensians. Mm -hmm. When the Waldensians got the Bible, they got it probably around 200, no more than 200 A.D. into northern France. And, and whenever, uh, or excuse me, in Italy, in the, in the, in the Piedmont Valley, mm -hmm. whenever it got in, into the Piedmont Valley, those Waldensian believers were truly converted to Jesus Christ. And you know what? They, they treasured the Bible like no other group of people, if you study them, no other group of people treasured the Scriptures themselves into such a point that they began to send missionaries out all through Europe and everywhere else and listen, and started translating the Bible. The French, the French Olivetan Bible was translated from the Waldensian Scriptures, which was the Old Italic the Old Italic Bible was also an offshoot of, the, of a Greek translation of, the, of 
which was different than the Greek translation that Rome took from the from the Vaticanus manuscript mm-hmm. and Alexandrian and Alexandrian and the Sinaiticus manuscripts mm-hmm. that came from Eusebius of Caesarea, which was a historian during the time of Constantine. The Bible of uh, of 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 the Greeks that went into even Russia, uh, the Greek Orthodox Church was a different Bible than the Roman Catholic Bible. The Bible of the the Greek Orthodox Church was a text was the traditional text was was the um the text that we use even today as far as uh, erasmus used as far as the greek text of um uh, of that um a greek text that was given by the greek orthodox mm-hmm. okay so there was two strains of bibles that left well when it got into the piedmont valley and the waldensians got a hold of that thing it it made such a a change that it affected the whole known world at that time westward and so that it moved into it moved into england it moved into spain it moved into it moved into all of the the countries bohemia and everywhere else around that area the bible began to infiltrate those countries and affect them so that even when the the pope sent augustine augustine to uh, to england to convert to English, he already found a Bible there. He already found an established church there that was different than the Church of Rome mm-hmm. in Iona. Yes, same thing. Yes, the Scriptures were already established in those places by, by believers there. Now, in the movement of that of the Scriptures there, um, there were several men that came to the forefront. Yes, uh, following. The Albigensians, the Waldensians, which was Peter Waldo, as you mentioned earlier. Um, one of those men, uh, John Wycliffe, uh, or Wycliffe, and uh, we will skip him for the moment, mm-hmm. even though I know it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but a man that was following him and uh, was uh, moved by God to and tasked with uh, upholding the things of the Scriptures was a man by the name of John Huss. And uh, he was from Czechoslovakia, uh, certainly a man that um, bore uh, the martyr's crown yes. because of everything that he went through in standing against um, the state religion, which was Rome at that time and still is. Um, but he was condemned as a heretic <clears throat> on July the 6th for, in our year of our Lord, 1415. And he was burned at the stake uh, because of his stand. And Brother Carl, I do know that uh, he was contemporary with, say, with Zwingli uh, and, and many of the others that went before us. What about John Huss um, in our history made him such a pivotal character with regard to um, our Bible today and and the cost, what it cost him to give it to us today. John Huss was born around 1370, and um, he was uh, a Bohemian. And John Huss was influenced by, uh, by uh, Wycliffe. And um, he, um, he's probably the second most uh, famous reformer after John Wycliffe. Um, in fact, he, his, his influence runs into the Reformation 
stronger than just about one one in, in, individual personality mm-hmm. and until Tyndale shows up. But Huss um, influenced Luther, Calvin and Zwingli, and John Wesley even. Uh, he began the, uh, uh, he, he was dean of the University of Prague. Uh, Alexander the, uh, the, the fifth, um, the, the pope at the time, issued a papal bull against him, excommunicated him, but it was not enforced. And he kept preaching against indulgences and the, the hierarchy of Rome and such as that. And he spent two years in exile. But in 1415, uh, he was invited a, a safe journey to the Council of Constance. And uh, when he was when he came, he he was uh, he said he would get safe, safe passage to and uh, to the council. They just wanted him to explain, uh, you know, what his problem his what his issues were against the papacy and Roman Catholicism. Right. And so he took the invitation that he would have a, he would have a safe journey back home after he went and did, uh, went there, but they immediately imprisoned him and it, and they took him before the council and, uh, asked him to recant all of his heresies and, uh, and the things that he was teaching against, uh, the papacy. And his words were these, I would not for a chapel of gold retreat from the truth. So on July the 6th, they burned him at the stake with the excuse of, you don't have to keep your word to a heretic. And um, it, started, it started an outcry against Roman Catholicism and both the Bohemian and Moravians remained Hussites even into the 1620s until extreme persecution forced them to convert during the Hasburg Dominion. And, uh, but it lit a fire amongst the Moravian brethren and such as that that took a, a century, uh, two centuries to, to extinguish because of the influence that he had on so many people. <laughs> and, and listen, it's the martyrs like that. It's those people like Tyndale that are willing to die not just for their faith, but for the faith of everybody else. Someone who's willing to take that faith that they have, that they've received from the Word of God, yes. and want to give it to everybody else, but by their own sacrifice, that seed, that seed of their own blood is nothing. That's the seed that started the Reformation. You know something? And, and through their uh, sacrifices, and during that period of time, that's why the Christians were so strong and adamant, either on one side or the other side. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, That's I what do. we need more of today. Well, that's exactly what we need more of. And, uh, and Brother, you yourself, um, kind of going back in the history of Calvary Baptist and some of the meshings between uh, our two churches and the history of what you went through down in the down on the streets of Beaufort some years ago, and uh, just a willingness uh, on the part of um, just for the sake of preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that men may hear that would never even darken the door of a church, but yet you took it to where uh, people would hear, and as a result of that, the same the same thing happened that has happened through the centuries is that men decided they did not want to hear that message because number one, they were comfortable with what they had. 
And number two, when they were, quote, provoked uh, by the potential of loss of money in their revenues of their businesses, people just became uncomfortable with what they heard. Um, The only recourse they had in their mind was to get rid of this obstacle that's in our way and is called the gospel and the preaching of God's word. And uh, brother, you went through a lot of that. We have gone through it here. And, um, and it had to be in your own life uh, that you were willing to lay, lay it down and say, Lord, for the sake of other lives and for other people that they may hear the truth, uh, you did that. And you, you know, you went to, you went to jail, went to prison for that because of that. And, uh, and that will never be forgotten. Um, you know, d- during this time period, for sure. I know your family, many people remember those things that you went through there. And, uh, we remember John Huss and what was given to him. And, uh, and from there it was, there were other people that were affected and brother, no doubt there have been people that were that were affected during the time period of Calvary Baptist history there, and they still to this day have a boldness about them because of those that took a stand. And that's been carried down through the years. The influence of Hush was so strong, and his stand against anti-popery and the, uh, and the, uh, um, the sacraments of the church and transubstantiation and uh you know it was so strong that killing him was not even enough brother blake uh would to god that people today had such uh a not uh, such a, a a knowledge against those that stand for the truth they dug his bones up after they had burned him they dug his bones up later in 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 their lives mm-hmm to burn them again. I'm going to tell you what, you are, there's some, you have some kind of grave influence against uh, some people when they, they're so, they're so angry with you uh, decades later that they'll dig your bones up and burn, burn them burn again. Them again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they weren't even satisfied with burning him one time, but you know, uh, listen, you take patriotism. Israel's an example. America's an example. They, they talk about our last generation being the greatest generation of those. Listen, World War One, World War Two. You know what it did? It formulated patriotism in our country. It again. did. You know, in Israel, uh, everyone in Israel, after they graduate from high school and everything, uh, have to serve two years, I believe it is. They have to serve two years in the military service, whether they be men or women. You know what it does? It gives cohesiveness to a nation for people to understand what it is, to strive for what you are. What, what formed you. Yes. And and so ever since Israel became a nation in 1948, let me tell you something, the people there are strongly patriotic to their country. You know why? Because they experienced the struggle to have their country. And you know what? Today, people, they've not struggled to have the church in its pure form. Uh, they don't understand how many people would die for their Bible. You know, just to print the Bible. Tyndale died to give the English people an English Bible. Let's talk about him because he's next on our list here. I'm glad you brought him up. 
we <clears throat> excuse me William Tyndale fourteen ninety two to fifteen thirty six mm-hmm. um, was from England. He was a scholar for sure, mm. and um, he was very well known even as a young boy uh, for his knowledge and things that he learned. He was the one, Brother Carl, that um, was in an argument uh, with a um, a learned, <clears throat> and I'm quoting here now, a learned and blasphemous clergyman. That's right. And he was having a tete-a-tete with this gentleman. And um, <clears throat> he asserted to Tyndale, he said this, he said, we had better be without God's laws than the Pope's. Tyndale's response was this, and I love this. And folks, if you've never heard this before, I trust that you will even jot this down in your mind and on a piece of paper. He said, I defy the Pope and all his laws, and if God spares my life, ere many years, I will cause the boy that driveth the plow to know more of the scriptures than thou dost. And he was talking to this clergyman who boasted himself about his knowledge of the scriptures and whatnot. William Tyndale was used by God to give the scriptures to us that sit here today in the English tongue and others, other worthy men who went before Elzebra brothers, Biza, uh, these other men. Um, tell us about Tyndale and his, um, his zeal for the word of God. The council of Trent, the Catholic church had an index of books An index of books meant books that were prohibited for the Catholic people to read or uh, to examine. One of the books on the index of books is the Bible itself. The sin of John Wycliffe was not the sin of of being anti-Catholic. The greatest sin of Wycliffe, because you've got to realize, Wycliffe did not give us the English Bible, uh, from the traditional text. He used the Vulgate, Jerome's Vulgate, and translated it into the vernacular. That was the sin of John Wycliffe. He, he didn't get burned for his faith. But when Tyndale put the English Bible from the, uh, from the traditional text and started printing it into vernacular, you see, the Catholic Church, does, they don't want people to study the Bible. They want their priesthood to indoctrinate you through catechisms and let you, they want you to study their interpretation of the scriptures. They, they say it's so harmful for the common person to have the scriptures in their own hands. And it, it's a dangerous thing for you to start reading the Bible because you, you get all kind of notions and everything else. The problem is this right here. They don't want you to read the Bible in the vernacular and especially the King James Bible. Uh, they don't want you to read it. The Tyndale Bible was, was, was smuggled into England through feed sacks, portion by portion, mm-hmm. so that it could get to the Gutenberg press and, and, and be able to be printed in the English language. The sin of William Tyndale was this right here. He gave them the scriptures in the vernacular. That's what hurt. You know why? Because if people read the Bible, they don't come up with Roman Catholicism. 
they come up with justification justification by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the finished work of the atonement of Jesus Christ. They don't come up with sacraments. They don't come up with a purgatory. They don't come. You see, if they read the Bible, they don't come up with all these doctrines of the church of transubstantiation and infant baptism and things like that. You know what they come up? They come up with this right here. Grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ Amen. and the blood atonement is sufficient for us all. Amen. He Christ died for us all. So William Tyndale uh, died for the same reason that Huss died. He gave, it, it was the scriptures he preached. It, I, I'm reading a, a, um, a, something here that I had printed off last night and this was a, a, a great point. But Tyndale's writings, it says, were popular in England. Yes. Henry VIII, fearing Tyndale's influence sent an ambassador to persuade him to return to England in a secret nighttime meeting outside Antwerp city walls. Tyndale agreed that he would return to England if the king would print an English Bible. By the time Henry published his great Bible, Tyndale was already dead. Now he kept his word, but I do know they searched and hunted for him. Um, like a dog almost because of the influence of Tyndall and what he eventually did for England and us and to this very hour, what he did for us. The Pope offered Tyndall a cardinal's hat. Tyndall refused and said he'd rather have a red hat of a martyr. And that's exactly what they gave him. That's exactly what they did. Um, Pastor Carl, if you would, uh, just a, a, a brief summary um, as we close this particular session today on history. And um, I do know that, again, we have, uh, there have been so many worthy men that have gone before us and uh, have laid down their lives, literally, that we may have the scriptures. Um, God using every one of those men uh to preserve his word that we might have it today. Um, where, do, where do people today, what do they need to do at this present hour to refresh themselves with the cost that went before us? What, what would you tell us? I'll tell you a, a book that, or a couple of books helped me. Um, David Otis Fuller wrote Which Bible? And um, I have a copy of the fifth edition and everything else. But if you'll get online and look at the history of the scriptures themselves, you can even, listen, I, you can Google it on your, these, <laughs> these phones are, are, are nothing but little computers. And everything. Listen, you can, you can take and, and, and research the reformers or the history of the Byzantine text mm-hmm. or the traditional text, you you can you can go through brief histories and and they'll get, and the reformers of the uh, uh, from from the 1200, 1200 to to sixteen hundreds you. Uh, you know, Google those things, study some things and get to looking in. Um, uh, you know, the scripture says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed. It'll take some work. But you know what? If you if you'll get your mind stirred up to say I'm I, I'd like to know some history of where I got my Bible. 
where my, my heritage came from. Why am I what I am? And start looking at the heritage of where your, your denomination or whatever else, where did it come from and, and what seeded it? I'm going to tell you this right here. It will help you and increase and strengthen your faith in what God has given you. But more than that, it'll put a spiritual boldness within you and make you realize, you know what? I need to stand up for what I am too. Amen. Either he that is not with me is against me. Mm-hmm. And he that gathereth not scattereth abroad is what Jesus said. Amen. You know what we need to do? We need to get to doing some gathering. We do. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you for joining us this morning for this uh, number three in the lesson, uh, the history of, of the church and the memory of those that have gone before us. Our Lord Jesus Christ himself said through the Apostle Paul that um, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11 of the Hall of Faith, and we have talked about that, and uh, certainly many, many worthy men that have gone before us. Well, we trust that what you have heard this morning has been a blessing to you. Brother Carl, good to have you with us this morning. Good to be with you too, Brother. Amen. Thank you again for joining us this morning. It's been our pleasure to have you aboard. Trust that you will pray for us here. And we will be posting this particular session this morning later on as a podcast. You can pass it along to those that you believe would benefit from what you've heard this morning. Pray for us here. May the Lord bless you.